Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's views from the 573 Podcast. First podcast of the new year, so happy new year to everybody. Hope y'all had a, a nice few days, to say the least, before things start to pop off here in 2021. But nonetheless, we're in the new year. 2020 is done with, thank goodness. And we're here in new year. Got a lot to talk about, but of course... I'll start off talking about the events of what happened yesterday, which were, pick whatever adjective you want to use, appalling is what I'm going to use. Whatever adjective you have with that, probably right. It was just unbelievable to just see what's going on. I know there's a lot of people that have been saying it's not that unbelievable because you've been seeing what's been going on. And it would make some sense to some people that that have seen what's been going on last few weeks, last few years. But I was just sitting there on Twitter, seeing all this go down, and I couldn't. My jaw dropped. I was like, "Holy crap!" I never thought that you know you would see something like this. I think it was just the fact that you know you see something. So crazy and so, like, I don't even know what other word you'd use for it. It was just appalling just to see what was going on. And yet, like, I don't even, I can't, it's hard to find the words to just look at, like, pictures of it happening for me. And it was just... Something that it should never have happened. It should have not gotten to this point. But here we are. 2021. First few days in. And we get this. On a day which they're, you know, they're in session. They're trying to confirm Joe Biden as president. And here we have this. It was... it was just like it was it was actually scary to actually see this happen and to watch it unfold and see what was going on what was being said what was being done and i've seen a lot of athletes voice you know if this was like the protests in the summer things would have been like they were yesterday. There would have been a whole lot more carnage. And that's probably true. That's the sad truth of it. It's, that's most likely true. And just seeing what was going on yesterday. This world that we live in. It's been crazy to think about the world that we've been living in the last year. Going through a pandemic. And all this stuff. But now just seeing this, it's truly shocking, eye-opening, weird, out of, an out-of-body experience. Because these are probably things we never thought we'd see in our lifetime. We probably never thought we'd live to go through a pandemic. Who would even thought that we would have had, you know, been in a time where we would say, yeah, we lived through a pandemic. And it was crazy and wild. 
I think we can look back on this and say, like, who would have thought that we would have seen something as crazy and insane and just downright appalling, I think, to see that going on yesterday. And, of course, they go back into session after everything calms down. Biden is confirmed as president, it seems like. And, yeah, it, it was just... I don't know how if you can look at that, what happened yesterday, and look at that as just scary, wrong, appalling, disturbing, and just seeing the Capitol being stormed upon. I just don't know how you can look at that any other way and just say, like, that's not right, that's wrong, that's, that's not good. So, sorry to start off the pot... Uh, You know, not a way you want to start a podcast out with, but I feel like we need to since it's really the, the, the thing that's been talked about the last 24 hours. And it's something that we're going to see talked about potentially in school. And probably in history textbooks about this event happening yesterday. It was just, yeah. It was not good. It was a bad day yesterday for the United States. It was. You know how it, you know, guys, how it is to start off these podcasts when you have something like this or. Yes, somebody who tragically passed away. It is hard to transition to talk about other stuff, but... You know, it's better to start off with stuff like this at the top. and or Than to just close it out at the end. It's better off to start it now. Talk about this. Spend a few moments talking about either events like this or again somebody tragically passing away like we had to do a couple times last year but I feel it's better to start off this way talk for a few minutes about it and then we can go and transition to what we have planned for the podcast so with that said again there's no easy way to do it we're going to go and transition over and talk a little bit about what's been going on in the world of sports the last few days. Some NBA talk, baseball talk, a couple big trades going down. We got some football stuff to talk about with the playoffs, college football playoffs. We got championship matchup sets. So that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. During this podcast talking about. So. Again. No easy way to. Go from. That point to this point. But. We'll have to make do. So. Let's talk a little bit about baseball. Let's start off with that. There's been a couple big trades that have been going down. In the baseball world. Blake Snell being traded to the Padres. I know that's a big move for San Diego. Getting a picture of. 
Blake Snell's caliber over there. And then just today with Francisco Lindor, one of the top shortstops, one of the top players in the game, going to be a New York Met. I can't, that's got to be good for the Mets. I mean, you got a player of his caliber going over there. You also are bringing Carlos Carrasco from Cleveland as well, who he's no slouch either. He's a really solid pitcher that they can add to the rotation. So the Mets just got a whole lot better there. And the Padres did as well, adding a pitcher like Blake Snell to the rotation, to the guys they got going on over there in San Diego. So a couple big trades, a couple really good moves for those two franchises, those, those two teams in the NL. And who knows, we may see those two teams battle it out in the postseason. I mean, the Mets, I mean, they finally now get a star caliber player over there who's legit. So... Those, that's what's been going on in the world of baseball. Let's talk about what's been going on in the world of the NBA with uh, with the start of the season. And we haven't really talked about the start of the season because I had a lot of stuff going on towards the end of the year. Christmas, New Year's, just time to refresh. Had a couple other stuff going on. Had another podcast to plan for. So this is our first time to get the talk since we had Charles on to talk some NBA. What's been going on in the National Basketball Association? So let's talk a little bit about it. There's been so well. Let me start off with some other bad news with Markel Fultz, who has really turned a corner there in Orlando. Sometimes you need a fresh start. And that can do wonders for you. And it looks like it has been that way for Markel. And he was having a pretty solid start to the season. He was looking really good. And then tears his ACL. I don't know how you cannot feel bad for this kid. With all that he's been through in his young career. It seems like he's finally getting, getting it together. He's looking pretty good. And then this happens. I don't know. The magic effect... This is terrible injury luck. You have Jonathan Isaac, who looked pretty good before he got hurt, and now he's out. And now you have Markel Fultz, another one of your young players. He gets hurt, tears his ACL. And the Magic are one of the top teams in the East, if you look at it. Six and two. Really good start for them. They would be, they're tied right now with Indiana at six and two as well. So they'd be the number two, number three seed, you know, right now. They're right behind Philly. You got Boston trailing them. Uh, It's just, it sucks. I mean, it sucks for a guy that has been through so much, again, like in his early days with Philly, and then he goes to Orlando, he tries to get adjusted. It looks like he has. Things are looking on, on the up and up. And then this happens. It's just, it sucks. It sucks to see a player's career only a few short years in and you already had what he went through in Philly and now you have this another setback but you know the saying a minor setback for a major comeback and you know we're all rooting for him because again what he went through with his time in Philly was just 
crazy. It, it, it was absolutely crazy. Like, <laughs> that guy, it looked like he didn't know how to shoot. And he's getting paid millions to be playing the game. But he has to shoot a little bit. Now, I know there's probably a Ben Simmons joke in there somewhere with Philly, but you, know, you guys know what I'm getting at. So, speaking of players that have been doing pretty good, Sabonis from Indiana's had a really nice, strong start to the season. Oladipo's looking pretty good. Colin Sexton for the Cavaliers, who are 500 right now, he's playing out of his mind. Maybe he's taking that next step that Cleveland desperately needs and a point guard like him when you have him Darius Garland you know try to find some guys there Andre Drummond has been pretty good so far uh the surprise has to be in the New York Knicks the Knicks are five and three surprisingly Austin Rivers is giving them some good minutes everything seems to be going pretty good there with Thibodeau and Julius Randle He's looking like a guy that was taking that was taken top ten in the lottery a few years back. It looks like he's got his freedom now that he's number one or one A or one B, wherever you want to put RJ Barrett. And he's looking really good to start off. He could play himself into now, I, I don't think we're having the All-Star game this year. I think we're not having that, but I think probably you'll still have guys that will be named as part of the team. Kind of like, you know, this guy selected like they do with all pro teams and football, all NBA teams in the NBA. Like, hey, you have this guy named to first team, second team, you know, stuff like that. So that might be something with All-Star that they could do. But he's making a case for it. And he's looking pretty good so far to start off. And I think you're just waiting to see because Julius Randle has always had potential to be the type of player that he is now. And uh, he's showing it right there there with the Knicks. And yeah, how about them Knicks? You know, Peter might actually be going back to being a Knicks fan if they keep this up. Probably speaking a little bit too soon there. But hey, the Knicks have had not a whole lot of positive stuff to be excited about. (laughs) And... (laughs) In this freaking century, to be honest. You got the Bucks at 5-3. and three. You know, you probably expect them to be top dog in the East. And you got the Nets at 4-4, four and four, and you have KD that's going to miss some time. Uh, Philly, they're at the, up at the top spot, 7-1. It looks like that shooting is exactly what we've said they've needed all along. And now they got the guys to be able to go out there, shoot the ball. Simmons playing pretty good. Embiid. Really good. Tobias Harris looking awesome. And staying with the East, the Hawks, they've been fun to watch. The Heat at 3-4. and four. I know a lot of people were talking about the Wizards. And they've been kind of a disappointment so far with how they've been playing. And Bradley Beal just dropped 60 last night. And it wasn't enough. So, they've been a little bit of, bit of a disappointment there. You got the Hornets there with LaMelo. LaMelo's look pretty good right there. I don't think he's rookie of the year like I thought he would be, but talk about the guy that's probably picking up steam for that here when we talk about the West. And then you got the Toronto Raptors. They're playing down Tampa. So, I mean, that's got to be a little bit of a switch, but me and my dad were talking about this last night. They probably... 
they've missed guys like Serge, like Mark, to help out over there. And they're missing them. Van Vliet is cool. Lowry's cool. Siakam's cool. But Siakam's been cold here to start out. So you you probably missed those two guys that brought steady veteran leadership and were really good for them. They're now playing in L.A. on the two L.A. teams. And, you know, what's crazy is they didn't miss a beat with Kawhi. But they are missing a beat with without Surge and without Mark. It, it's that's that is kind of crazy to think about if you, if you really look at it that they they haven't missed a beat with one of the top players in the league and then you lose these two guys who were really good but they aren't quite level players and here they are they're sitting at one and six towards the bottom of the East with only the Pistons being worse than them. So there's the East. Let's talk about the West real quick. You got the Suns and the Lakers at the top two spots. The Suns, they've been a really good team off the hot, a hot start to start the season at 6-2. and two. You know, you wondered how much of an impact Chris Paul would make with Booker and Aiden and some of those other young guys there, Cam Johnson, Bridges. I'd say it's been pretty impactful. You got a guy that's been in key spots throughout his career on really good teams, and he's bringing that over to Phoenix now, and they're off to a strong start here. The Lakers sitting at 6-2. and two, You know, they're looking pretty good. They just had a couple games with the Grizzlies, in which, you know, the Grizzlies didn't actually play bad against them, especially in that second game. It's just, you know, LeBron kind of went full LeBron at the end. And uh, proved why he's one of the best players that's ever played the game. And just completely took that game over towards the end. But holding the Lakers under 100 points, that's not easy. Considering the star level talent they got. But they've been off to a good start there. 6-2. and two, You know, that Pacific division is going to be fun. If you look at it right now, the standings in the West. Four of those teams... Or the number one, number two, number three, and number four seeds in the West. And then you got the Kings with the same record as Golden State sitting there at the number seven seed. So that division stacked up. And you got the Clippers sitting there at six and three. You got you got Denver here sitting there three and four, Dallas at three and four as well. A couple teams I think we all thought would would be towards be in the top of the West again. It is early, but you, you would expect a little bit more out of them considering the types types of teams they were this past season. Spurs at three and four, OKC at three and four. They haven't looked too bad at all. Maybe my guy Charles, uh, he's not going to get a team that's going to be tanking this year. Then uh, you got the Houston Rockets, who Christian Wood. What the crap was Detroit thinking letting him go? He's been really good for Houston, one of the bright spots for them. He, he's been good. Like, he, he's been good. Like, people are now taking notice, I guess, because it's Houston. It's a, it's a, fair, it's a larger market than Detroit. And, of course, he's playing beside one of the top players in the game in Horn. So, people are going to take a little bit more notice of that. And he's going to jump out a little bit more. 
So, probably a guy that people starting to take a little bit more notice of. But he's been off to a good start. Then, of course, you got Minnesota, Memphis, 2-5. and five. Listen, Jaws out. Like, that was, that was one of the last death blows of 2020 right there. You know, if you can make it through this stretch where he's out, get some young guys some time, see some development, progress out of them, and then you get job back, and then who knows what you can do. I think I said in the preview, like, I don't expect us to make the playoffs. Like, considering the West this year, I think it's just going to be a little bit too much and that they're going to be in the lottery, but the lottery looks pretty good this upcoming season. So I think you can take the risk and add another key piece to that group you got with Bain, Tillman, Jaron, Ja, Dylan, all those guys. So I think, you know, just make it through this period without Ja and then get him back because he was absolutely balling before that injury happened. It was just... Again, last death blow of 2020. But uh, let's talk about the rookie of the year with uh, James Wiseman right there. Really like this fit in Golden State. I think me and Charles were in agreement on that in our preview that that was a really good fit for him going to Golden State. And he's already making an impact. He's already doing really good. His ability to run the floor is able to do some things for Golden State that you haven't seen them do before where you got a guy at center that they have to be worried about, you know, rim running, you know, getting down low in the post. So now that's giving Golden State a new wrinkle to their offense. And so far, he's been the rookie of the year. And if he keeps it up, he probably will be. Although Anthony Edwards hasn't been bad for Minnesota either. He's probably been one of their bright spots so far. So, there's the NBA. The NBA is off to an interesting start. We're only seven, eight games in. And, uh, we got 60, 60 some odd games left. So, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun ride to see how all this plays out and see if these teams stay where they are. I imagine not in some cases with some teams I imagine they'll be right where they are. So that's the NBA. Let's talk about college football here real quick with the Heisman Trophy being awarded to Devontae Smith of Alabama. Just an absolutely amazing season. First wide receiver to win it in almost 30 years since Desmond Howard won it at Michigan in 1991, I believe. 91, something like that. So he wins just an inc- incredibly season to think about. Incredible season to think about. Seeing his stats that he put up, you know, you, you got Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs leaving. I told my dad this. That he, Devontae Smith could have gone to the draft. He could have left Alabama, gone to the NFL last season, and who knows? He probably would have been a first-round pick. Or if not, he would have been a second-round pick, and he got three Alabama receivers going in maybe the first 50-some-odd picks of the draft. But now he comes back, 
And, of course, you, you were always going to wonder about Mac Jones, and you know, with Tua and him being so good. But Mac Jones was really good this year, too, and having Devontae really step up his game and him being that de facto number one guy, he really improved his stock. And, you know, him winning the Heisman, I mean, can you, like, one of the things that people noted during uh, I, the night they were awarding the Heisman was how he was a guy that caught the game-winning touchdown pass in the championship game against Georgia when Tua came in. And that's when all the Tua hype started to kind of build a little bit. So he goes from catching that pass to winning the Heisman. Incredibly poetic, I think. You know, you have a clutch catch like that, and then you go and have this extraordinary season for a receiver, not just in the SEC, but probably in all of college football. Probably ever. And he's still got one game left to try to shatter some of these records. Like, he shattered some crazy records. I think he, he's got a couple of others that he can shatter once we get to the championship game. But just an incredibly great season from him. And then you got two other Alabama guys there with him. With Mac Jones and Najee Harris, who was no slouch this season either. It just goes to show you that Alabama offense, that's going to... It's pick your poison. You want to stop Devontae Smith? Okay, we'll just hand it off to Najee or we'll throw it to Najee and he can hurdle somebody. You, you want to stop Najee? All right, well, then Devontae Smith is going to cook your best outside corner, burn him, and then run right into the end zone for a touchdown. It's, it's just pick your poison with Alabama. And then... You got Trevor Lawrence coming in second, which a little bit of a just showing him in that Tennessee that Tennessee gear as a kid. It hurts my heart. I know other Tennessee fans are probably watching that is like, please stop showing this. And you know, if he won the Heisman, they probably would have shown some of it again. So, effectively, I'm glad they didn't. He didn't win it, but he comes in second. I mean, he's going to be the number one overall pick. It's going to be fine. Mac Jones coming in third. And then you got Kyle Trask coming in fourth. The voting wasn't really all that close. Devontae won by a pretty good margin. So he's your Heisman winner. Let's talk about the championship game. Ohio State and Alabama. I think this is the first time they played each other since the first semifinal of the college football playoff with them playing in New yeah, New Orleans playing at the playing at at the Saints Stadium, and just to show you how long ago it was, Zeke was there. Zeke was going off against them, so that tells you how long ago that it's uh, it's been since these teams have faced off. Last time they did, Zeke was still in college, and now here he is in the NFL playing on the Cowboys. So what do we expect from this matchup? Well, I think. You probably expect Alabama to put up a lot of points. And I think a lot of people are wondering, can Ohio State keep up with them? If they play the way they did against Clemson, absolutely. There's no reason they can't. That Alabama defense is not as strong as it once was. 
It's not like that. Saban's kind of changed his tune to where he's figured out offense is the way to go. We'll get our stops because we got all these five stars here, but we're just going to outscore everybody because we just have the most insane athletes on our team. So that's going to be the thing to watch to see if Ohio State can keep up with them. That defense actually did pretty well against Clemson. You know, create some pressure situations for Trevor Lawrence. Put him in some tough spots. He was down a couple times, 21 points. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's known what that's like. Maybe not since early high school. If not then, I don't know when. So if Ohio State wants to win this game, they're gonna to have to find a way to keep up with their offense. Now, of course, you gotta be thinking about Justin Fields and that shot he took in that game, which you know, say what you want. I mean that call, I mean it's debatable, I think, but you got to be thinking about that if you're Ohio State, and if he can make it through it, I mean, like, that was a gutsy performance by Justin Fields, and, you know, I think a lot of people were downing Fields, as was I, about whether he could be that second QB coming off the board in the draft, and whether Zach Wilson was making a play for that number two spot, and Justin Fields is like, no, 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 hold on, I'm still here. Let me show you guys what I can do. And he goes out and puts on absolute show. Six touchdowns in total against Clemson. Just absolutely baller game from him. So it'll be fun to see. See these two offenses battle against each other. Trey Sermon's having (laughs) incredible two games. An incredible two game stretch where he's just running like a madman on these defenses. Like, he has over 500 yards in these two games. And, you know, it's incredible. I mean, these are Derrick Henry-level numbers in two games. I know. I know what Derrick Henry-level numbers look like. I've seen them in person. I've seen them on, I've seen them on the games. I've seen them on TV. It's just nuts. And so, if he can continue that trend, and if Justin Fields can... Make all the throws, not have to worry about the, the the whole injury situation that's going on with him. Ohio State definitely has a chance to win it. I still think it's going to be Alabama that's going to come up on top. But, you know, it'll be fun to see if Ohio State gives them a run for their money. Now, one of the things that's come out is we still don't know about this game entirely when it's going to be played because there's been some potential COVID Issues that have, that have popped up for Ohio State. So this game, it might happen next Monday in case things don't get better. They got a built-in date for January 18th, a week from Monday. So we'll just have to see. But whenever this game gets played, I still think Alabama's going to win. I think it's just going to be too much to overcome their offense. And they might get Jalen Waddle back for this game. And that's if he's, he looks good in practice. And from his te- what his teammate said, he looks pretty good. So now you add Jalen Waddle back into the fold. And you, you just got to be a little bit more concerned if you're Ohio State. Because now you got another weapon to be concerned about. A weapon that will you know, take the top off you if you don't watch out. 
So this can this, this should be a fun title game. I was fully expecting Alabama and Clemson, and actually, I'm kind of glad I'm wrong. I'm cl- I'm kind of glad we're getting a little bit of a shakeup, even if it is minor in some way that we have to switch out one of the teams. So Alabama, Ohio State. Excited for that whenever we get it, whether it's next Monday or the 18th. All right, let's talk some NFL. Let's talk about some NFL and let's wrap this show up on a strong note, talking about everything that's going on in the league. And let's talk about some storylines that happened in week 17. And, you know, let's start off with this. Let's start off with the Sunday night game because that's the big talking point. After week 17. Eagles, Giants. Jalen Hurts. He's not having too bad of a game. It's not a great game. But it's not too bad. It could be worse. It could be better. But it's not awful. They get down the score. They go for it on fourth down. Which just take the points. I mean you already know points were going to be hard to come by. In a game against Washington's defense. I mean Washington probably has the best defensive front. And football, with that front forward, like, it's hard to think of a front forward that's better than that. I mean, take the points. But now they go for it on fourth and down. Don't get it. And they go to Nate Sudfeld? Like, I know Doug Peterson was talking about giving him some reps, but I, I would think if you're trying to give a guy some reps, get those reps early on. You know, why are you giving him reps late in the game? It doesn't make sense. And you're seeing a lot of Eagles players really echoing how they felt about this move with Sudfield late in the game. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm watching the game. I go in my living room and I'm talking to my dad. Like, what the crap is happening? Why is Sudfeld out there and not Jalen Hurts? Hurts brings so much more to the table for that type of offense. And he can get you down the field. Sudfeld couldn't do that. He could barely get you one yard, it seems like. So, I don't don't know what you... What are you doing, Doug Peterson? What are you doing? Are you trying to lose your job? I mean, with the way Eagles players are reacted, crap. Like, maybe he might, he might actually lose his job. But, and I know there's Giants players and coaches commenting on it, Joe Judge talking about it, you know. And I get it. I mean, they're upset because they could have had a shot to get in the playoffs. But, hey, Giants, that's on you. You should have been better. You shouldn't have only won six games. You should have won more. All right, but what I I don't get what Doug Peterson was doing. I don't think anybody does. Even the even the person that I think has the most limited football knowledge would probably agree that that was not the right decision to give Nate Sudfeld his reps. It just wasn't. Fourth quarter, you're only down three. You have a chance to potentially ruin Washington's season by knocking them out of the playoffs. I guess it just depends on Philly. Who do you hate more? You hate Washington, you hate Dallas, or you hate the Giants? You know, who do you hate more? But that was just, I 
I don't know how you can justify that decision if you're Doug Peterson. I just don't. And even Jalen Hurts is saying it, that it's not right. You can catch him on the sideline saying that. And guess what? Jalen's right. That's not right. You've already have a fractured relationship with your once thought to be franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz, and now he wants out. Are you seriously going to fracture this relationship? Crap. He might have fractured a lot more relationships on that team after what he pulled on Sunday night. So, that's pretty much the big uh, the big headline coming out of Week 17 besides all the playoff stuff. But, as far as the Week 17 games go, not too bad. As far as the picking, as far as picking them, not too bad. Run through a couple of them. Brady, unbelievable game against Atlanta. Steelers, Browns. Steelers almost beat the Browns with their backup players, with Mason Rudolph at the helm. Like, I, I think you guys know I was probably excited to see Dobbs in there a couple times in the game. I was like, just get my boy a touchdown. Why are they putting Mason Rudolph back in there? Get him out of there. But the Browns, they go and win this game by two. And this got him into the playoffs. And, and, you know, Cleveland, they're now back in the playoffs after 18 years of missing out. And I decided to get a little bit fun and a little bit crazy and figure out, hmm, how much of that our lifetimes is that for us? So I decided to do my sisters and I decided to do mine as well. So the Browns have not been in the playoffs around 72%. Of my life. That's how much. Which is absolutely nuts. Think about it. The Browns have been bad for this long. It's nuts. And for my sister it was like 81%. So they've been bad for so long. That for over three quarters of somebody's life. Who's around 25 years old. Or close to three quarters of their life. They have not seen the Browns field a successful team. That made the playoffs. At all. But now they've done it. They, they're in the playoffs. and But now you got COVID-related issues popping up for them. Kevin Spansky probably not going to coach this week. A couple other staff members probably not going to go. Special teams coordinators heading over the head job this week. And so, what do you say? If you're Cleveland, I guess even if you make the playoffs, you can't. Find a way to get a break. But congrats to Cleveland for getting in there. Let's see. Got Ram- the Rams knocked the Cardinals out, 18-7. John Wolford comes in there. And he- not awful, but it's still not pretty. But they knocked the Cardinals out of the playoffs. So I'm sure for them, that's fine. And the Cardinals, they missed out on the playoffs. And Kyler Murray's second year. And the Rams, they get in. They're into the playoffs, and they got a date with Seattle. Who I mean, Seattle freaking had a tough matchup with San Fran. San Fran gave them a game. Seattle, both those offenses pop off late in the game, scoring thirty-four points combined, and Seahawks come out by three. And then there's a Titans and Texas game, which. 
I don't know what to say about this Titans defense. I don't know. I mean, I mean, listen, for anybody that's listening, go ahead. Make your jokes about how the Titans defense, or crap, any other bad defense is probably better than what we saw yesterday. I mean, have at it. I mean, if you don't want to make them, go ahead. But, my goodness, this Titans defense lets the Texans back in and just goes to show you with, with having Deshaun Watson back at quarterback, no lead is safe. Especially if your defense is bad. Like, you got three sacks on the year, but they only add on to make it 17 or 18 sacks for this season. Like, that bad. And, of course, one of the things that we were keeping an eye on is Derrick Henry. He had a chance for over 2,000 yards. He got it, but the times were down while it happened. So, probably not as talked about. You had a couple other milestones going on as well. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, trying to get a 1,000-yard receiving season apiece. Corey was 16 yards short. He had a couple crucial drops, which for Titans fans, for our sake, not what you want to see going into the postseason, seeing Corey Davis, who's had a really good season so far, really good for him, just making crucial drops like that. And then A.J. gets it. But he got it before, of course, that big touchdown to win the kind of lead them to win the game. You know, the Titans, they get the ball back. You know, what else you got to lose? You, you might be going to overtime. You know, like, screw it. Let's go for it. I'll throw it up to A.J. Brown. He's out there somewhere. He catches it. And then Sam Sloman. Props to this guy. Rookie, first game with this team, coming in there and just knocking in a field goal. Doinks it. Maybe he can, Cody Park he can take some lessons from him. And just knocks it in there and sends the Titans to the playoffs. They were already in anyway it, once the Browns and Dolphins games were getting done. And he also helps them win the division. The guy's a legend. He's not going to have to worry about paying for anything in Nashville forever now. He's not going to have to worry about that at all. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys can imagine I was pretty pretty happy. I I, I was give, I, I was watching the game with my family when it happened. Like, I debated about watching it because I was so scared it's not going to go wrong. This is what being a Titans and a Vols, fans, uh, a Vols fan does to me. It makes me scared for something like this because I can't watch it. I can't watch it at all. Even if something crazy happens. Especially something like that with the field goal, field goal being doinked in. But, I don't know. <laughs> I, was out, I was out there giving fist bumps, hugs with my family. Like, I can't believe we've done it the first time. Times have won the division since 08 since to do some more math. Since I was in 7th grade in middle school. That long. Since 2008. So it's been a, a long time and I was super excited about it. But I just couldn't believe it. But so many things happening in that game. Henry just keeps on shattering these records. He's not going to get MVP. 
But crap, man, if he doesn't get Offensive Player of the Year, I'm going to be ticked off. Because, like, what he's done with the amount of yards that he's put up this season and the amount of touchdowns, only one other player has done it. Terrell Davis. That's it. <laughs> it's just him and Terrell Davis. But let me tell you, that again, probably the best, and that might have been the best game of the day. Leave it to the Titans and Texans to have two awesome games this season. The game they had earlier this season where you had Romeo Cornell, you know, with his decision-making in that game. And then you get this game. Just two incredibly fun games that the Titans and Texans gave to the NFL fans this season. So, let's talk about Black Monday. The day that is notoriously known for coaches getting fired. And a couple ones that we thought were probably going to happen, happened. You know, Adam Gase, let go. Doug Marone, let go. And then you see Anthony Lynn, let go from the Chargers. And so, I say let's rank these jobs. I think for me, it's pretty clear who number one is. And probably number two as well. But from then on out, there's a couple that you can make a case for. And then I think there's one that's certainly not looking good with what's being reported going on with them and potentially moving one of their players. So, let's start off with number one. I think it's clearly got to be the Chargers. You know what you got in Herbert. You got your QB. You got your young franchise QB. You know what you got. You got some nice pieces there with the Chargers on offense and defense. And then you got an owner. I mean, that's one thing you got to be worried about in the NFL and in all leagues. Ownership. Are they going to meddle too much? And the Chargers owner doesn't seem to be the type of guy that would meddle too much. And so that's got to be number one. Whoever gets that job is going to get an awesome young franchise quarterback with that offense. Nice pieces on defense. Going to be good to go. And you know, I wonder if Eric Bieniemy, the the Chiefs offense coordinator, would go there to face the Chiefs every year. Probably be a little bit scary there if you're the Chiefs because you got somebody from your team going to a division rival to be the head coach. So that's number one. Number two... Has to maybe has to be the Jags because there's some young pieces on that squad, and plus, you're getting Trevor Lawrence. And who knows what happens with the Jags job because Arbor Meyer's been connected to that job here in recent days. And part of me wonders if he would actually like not take Trevor Lawrence one and take Fields, the Ohio State guy, at number one. But either way, you're going to get a franchise QB. You got some nice pieces on that offense. You got James Robinson who had an unexpectedly great rookie season. You got some extra draft picks to work with this season to help build out your team, help whoever you take at number one, which, I mean, it should be Lawrence. Help build that defense back up to what it was a few years ago. Get some nice, young, solid pieces in there that will be 
impactful players. And then let's see where that goes. And if Urban goes there, I wonder how he's going to be as an NFL coach. Will he be like a Pete Carroll? Or will he be like what Spurrier or somebody else that made the, made the switch? Who knows? So, that and also the thing with Urban Meyer, you got to take in consideration his health. How long is he going to be coaching there? You know, what type of contract are you going to give him? Are you, is it going to be like an insane 10 year contract or is it going to be something like four or five years where you're going to have all this money tied into it? I would say the latter, but with it being the Jags, it could be the former. But I think if you're hiring a guy like Urban, knowing his history, probably not too long of a contract, but you're just going to give him loads of money and say, hey, come help fix us. You know? We got the number one pick. Come help groom this guy with your offense. Help us, please. Number three. Maybe the Falcons. Nice, solid offense. Just need to build that defense up a little bit. Matt Ryan's still looking pretty good. Julio is still looking like Julio. Calvin, really, really solid season this year. Really good season from him. So you got some pieces on that offense to work with who were just a few years ago contending for a Super Bowl. So that's probably number three. Number four, probably the Jets. I mean, Joe Douglas is not that bad of a GM. It just depends on what they want to do. If they want to stick with Darnold or if they want to go to Whoever's on the board at number two, whether it's Fields or Jacks, don't take Lawrence. Maybe it's Lawrence and you luck out anyway. Or Zach Wilson. Or you just say, hey, we have our guy. We're just going to build around him. We're going to give him a chance to succeed. I mean, they got all, and they got a lot of draft picks as well, so they can potentially really help build that team up really good. So that's probably number four. And number five is Detroit. Darryl, I think Daryl Bevel, who's the interim coach, is interviewing for that job. I don't know what's going to go on with Detroit. Are you going to keep Matt Stafford or are you going to move on? What's the plan going to be going forward? What's the culture going to be like? And then number six, they just hired their new GM who's from the Patriot system. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about the culture there? Because after Bill O'Brien left, it's been bad. It's been bad. And Pro Football Talk was talking about earlier today about Deshaun maybe wanting out of Houston. It might not be the worst thing, though, because you could recoup a whole lot of assets via dra- uh, with draft picks and all that stuff, get a lot of cap space back, and then you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself with a guy who's had experience with the Patriots. In which you now have draft picks. You now have some cap space. You just got to figure out what's next. But Deshaun does a whole lot for you. Having a guy like him, if you're good, completely changes what the Texans are. 
having a guy like Deshaun gives them a chance. And if you can build around him and get good pieces around him and get and get that defense straightened out, Texans could be good. Because Deshaun is a guy that you are absolutely scared about if you're the opposing team, if you're an opposing fan. He gets the ball, you're like, oh crap. This guy's out here making plays, doing all this stuff. Like, you're immediately worried. So, Houston, they're probably they're number six right now. They're not the best job out there, but the Sean does make it interesting. But with this potential stuff coming out that he might be wanting out, not good. But I will say this, out of all those QBs on those rosters, Deshaun is the best. And maybe they should be up at five considering that. But with what's come out this morning and, you know, with how things have gone over in Houston the last year, you know, probably not as desirable a job. But Deshaun can certainly change that crap. I might be entirely wrong on this. And, like, Houston is up there at the top for some of these jobs because it's Deshaun Watson. He's really good. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see who these teams hire. I know the Titans offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. A lot a lot of the teams have requested interviews for him, all, all of them, I think, which is exceedingly rare to see happen. And so now... You see where you go. Does Eric Bieniemy finally get a job? Does Robert Sala finally get a job? Does Arthur Smith get a job? Who else is out there that we think should get a job, should get one? You know, it'll be interesting to see where all these teams go. I would bet that out of those three guys, two of them are going to be head coaches next season. I would bet two of them are going to be head coaches next season. Which two, we'll have to wait and see like everybody else. But I think two of those guys will be head coaches in the NFL next season. It'll be interesting to see because Salo, great defense that he's built up in San Fran. The enemy, great job to see what he's done there in Kansas City with Mahomes and with that offense. Then you have Arthur Smith, see what he's done with Henry, Tannehill, all those guys in Nashville. So, you got some really good options out there with those three probably up at the top. But we'll just have to see where all these guys go. So let's talk about the playoffs. Let's actually talk about the playoffs because they are now set. Super wild card weekend. Saturday and Sunday. Triple headers. This is a football fan's dream. Especially if the title game is going to play on Monday. Then it's really a football fan's dream. Because hey, you got three NFL games on Saturday and Sunday. And oh, by the way, you got college football's national championship on Monday night. So you got a lot of stuff going on with football football wise. Who can complain? I know I won't. Because we're getting towards that time where like football season is getting near the end and we're gonna get a little bit sad about it because we love football. We're going to miss seeing the game played. We're going to miss fancy football and arguing about, you know, that trade should have been made or, hey, you picked up that player. I was going to pick him up. You know, all that stuff's going to be gone soon. But with the playoffs, let's talk 
about them. Let's talk about the games that are going on this week. And I'm gonna make some. I'm gonna make my usual picks here, and so we'll see where it goes. I do think the two best games out of the six are probably AFC games and do involve the AFC South in some way with the Colts and Bills and Ravens and Titans. So, Colts and Bills, you know, I'm really interested to see what Phillip Rivers we're going to get in this game and see what that weather in Buffalo is going to be like. Because I imagine Indy's probably not going to be not too happy about having to go up the Buffalo this time of the year. Not too happy. I think the Bills win this game. They're six and a half point favorites as of now. And Josh Allen, I mean, if it's not for Mahomes and Rodgers, he, he gets some MVP consideration. He might get a vote or two. If it was any other, the other year, he would be in the conversation legitimately to get the MVP trophy. With what he's done, with his connection with Stephon Diggs this season, it's been nothing short of spectacular. I'll go with the Bills here to win this game against Indy. Although, although Indy's defense is pretty good, and right now Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley for the Bills are listed as questionable. But if those guys are good to go, Bills. If not, maybe a little bit closer than what you think. And maybe Indy has a little bit more of a shot there. But I'll go with the Buffalo Bills, who they haven't, they've made the playoffs now consecutive years, so things are looking really good for Buffalo in the Josh Allen era. So give me Buffalo here to advance and not do what they did last year in the wild card round against the Texans. Rams and Seahawks, third go round with these teams. Seattle's favored by three and a half. Really don't know what's going to happen with Jared Goff and if he's going to start with, start in this game or if it's going to be John Walford again. And if it is, I'm sorry, Rams. Seattle's going to play really well at home, even though there's no fans there. Their defense has been getting better and better each week. They're not, all, they're not up there with the best defense, but they've gotten better than what they were. Because they were like Titans level bad this season. So, they're making no complaints. But if Wolford's starting for the Rams, it's Seattle. But if Goff is playing, better chance for the Rams. But I still like Seattle to come out on top here. Buccaneers at Washington. This one can be a little bit more closer than what the line is saying. The line is saying Tampa 9 points right there. What's going to happen with Alex Smith? You know, what kind of QB system are they going to go with? You know, can the Bucks get pressure on Alex Smith and can that make Alex Smith uncomfortable? It can. If you can get him out of the pocket, he's not as mobile as he once was. So, advantage Tampa. But... You know what causes Tom Brady a whole lot of problems? Pressure. Blitzing. And that Washington front four is legit good. And Chase Young really wants to play Tom Brady in his first ever playoff game. 
I would say be careful what you ask for. But with how good this Washington front four is. Maybe be a little bit worried if you're Tom. I don't think Washington will win this game. I do think they can make this a little bit more interesting. Especially if they get pressure on Tom. Because that's what causes him trouble. If you can get pressure on Tom. He's just like any other quarterback. He gets in his head. He's going to have that clock go off a little bit sooner. His internal clock is going to go off a little bit sooner than he would like. But I would go Tampa here. But it's going to be a little bit closer, I think. Sunday, Ravens-Titans. So Baltimore's favored by three and a half here. And there's a whole lot of storylines going on with this game. Mainly... Lamar Jackson trying to exercise his playoff demons from the last couple years. Losing to the Chargers in year one. Last year, losing at home to the Titans in the divisional round. And then, of course, these teams played each other in the regular season. Titans came back. Derrick Henry finished them off with a touchdown run and won at Baltimore again. So, last couple games here, Lamar and the Ravens are 0-2. Now, this time they're going to have Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams back. That will make a difference. And for from what I've heard, Saffold is going to play. So, that's huge for the Titans. You're going to have your left guard in there. But this is a big game for Lamar. I don't think it, you can undersell that anyway this is a big one for him going forward if he loses this one there are probably going to be a whole lot more questions about him if he can go in the playoffs and win but if he does pull off he's going to shut those those people up for a little bit he's going to move on to the divisional round so this is a big game for him this is a big game for him going forward Especially with talk, uh, talking off season about you know him if if he can, him producing in the regular season when the playoffs falls short, this is a game for him to rewrite that narrative. And for the Titans, this is another chance for them to prove themselves. You now they're underdogs in this game, home underdogs, having their first home playoff game. Since they played the Ravens in 2008. Oh, by the way, it's it's been that long since they've had a 2,000-yard rusher, too. So the Titans isn't going to be key because their defense, it's it's bad. It's, It's awful. It's awful. But I think one thing with these two teams being the top two rushing teams in the league is... Maybe that Titans defense is a little bit better against the run than they are against the pass. I know where Sean Evans is. This is a game that he is built for. And stopping the run, blowing up the A-gap, B-gaps, and blowing up running backs or blowing up Lamar. This is his type of game. This is the type of game where Jeffrey Simmons can really help in stopping the run. Daquan Jones, those guys. 
where you might not have to worry about Lamar and them throwing as much. Now, of course, there's a narrative, you know, the Titans get up really big. It's really hard to come back against them because you got <laughs> number 22 back there in the backfield for him. But if the Titans get down, it's hard for them to get back in, and they might not be using Derrick Henry as much. So that helps the other team out. So with the Ravens, you don't want to be down. But even if you are down, if Lamar can hit guys, this Titans pass defense is not good. So he can make some headway there, and he could get the Ravens back in the game, and they could go back to doing what they want to do. But if the Ravens are up, just keep just run the ball, throwing a pass every now and then. And if it works, it works. So I think this game, the Bills and Colts game, is going to be incredibly fun to watch. I think this AFC South team prevails. And I think the Titans are heading for another rematch in Kansas City. That one I'm not looking forward to. That's one I'm not, if the Titans do win, I'm not looking forward to that. But this is going to be a fun game, really fun game to start out the Sunday slate with. Bears of Saints, the mid-afternoon game. Obviously, if you're the Saints, it's going to hurt not having Kamara out there. But Saints are 10-point favorites. Win this game. The Bears have no business being in the playoffs. They absolutely don't. So, Saints in this game. Browns and Steelers. This is going to be a tough one for the Browns, considering all the stuff they got going on with COVID. And, you know, it's going to be tough. And Pittsburgh, they're going to have their starters out there. Big Ben is going to be playing in this game. So, I'm going Pittsburgh here to go and win this game and move on to the second round of the playoffs. And, of course, the Chiefs, Packers, both those teams have a first-round bye. And they will be waiting to see who they play. And they play the lowest seed, whoever makes it out of the wild card round. So if it's if it's how I predicted, if Bills beat the Colts, Titans beat the Ravens, Steelers beat the Browns, and the Titans as the four seed would go to Kansas City and Buffalo and Pittsburgh would have a rematch. If that doesn't come to pass, and if something weird happens, say the Browns beating the Steelers, that's one for Peter Lewis right there. The Browns would then go to Kansas City, and probably the Titans would go to Buffalo. Although, Indy could pull that off. Part of me does want chaos because <laughs> let's get the Titans a second home playoff game. So there's a whole lot of scenarios that could happen. Cleveland could could go beat Pittsburgh, although it's going to be tough not having your head coach there. And then with the Colts, I mean, hey, you're keeping an eye on Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley are going to play on sun, on Saturday. If they aren't, Indianapolis can do something with that. And if they do play... Indy could still make a game out of this. Their defense is really solid. Really good. It just depends on which Phillip Rivers comes out. If it's going to be good Phillip Rivers, 
Or bad Philip Rivers, where he, he, he's just having turnover after turnover. And that could happen. For the NFC, NFC, I think it's a little bit easier. Seahawks, I think, are probably going to beat the Rams with or without golf. Saints, definitely going to win against the Bears, I think. And the Bucks are going to win as well, even though Washington, I think, is going to keep it close. So the AFC games have more potential to be a little bit more tight, a little bit more entertaining down the stretch, I think. So that's this weekend, everybody. Super Wild Card Weekend. So that's where we are in the NFL season. And that's where we're going to wrap up this podcast. Guys, I'd say you saw the first pod of the season. Saw the first pod of the season. Saw the first pod of the year of 2021. And we're getting right into it. We're getting right into the NFL playoffs. NBA season in full swing. Before you know it, baseball is going to be back. So, yeah. First pod of 2021. There you go, guys. So, with that being said, hope you guys stay doing well. Stay safe. And that'll do it for us here. And we'll talk to you next time.